Greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. Good to see all of you. And I enjoyed the service and I was wondering, I think we're getting really close to it, but I was wondering what it would be like if uh, there would be enough of things shared here that we don't need a message. And we're just about there. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> That's a blessing. Um, all the various inputs that we heard. Uh, is that a sign of a healthy body? I hope so. And uh, I hope that continues. Appreciated. Uh, Tara's testimony and her journey and trying to find her place among us and thank the Lord that uh, he was faithful there. I was thinking, I was thinking about um, this uh, whole thing of guests over and hospitality. And then I also thought about the the verse that says, uh, I believe it's James, pure religion undefiled, for God is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Um, That verse doesn't talk about having people in our homes. It talks about going to them. And I don't know if this is good or bad or here or there, uh, but I do know that there is a difference in the culture that we're in now um, and the culture I grew up in. In the culture I grew up in, you made an effort to go visit people. I'm not sure. I should have put this mic on in the back. It's for some reason not cooperating. Um, not doing something right. Uh, In the culture that um, I grew up in, it was common to visit people in their homes and call and say, hey, we'd like to come over and see you all tonight. Um, But then in the charity, which uh, we we went from our my childhood background, we went to charity and charity was a mix of cultures and we ran into a culture where that was not acceptable to call someone and invite yourself over to their house. And so that whole aspect of, of interaction dropped out of our lives, basically. Not inside a family circle, probably, but uh, we wouldn't feel very comfortable just calling Bobby's family and saying, hey, we'd like to come over tonight. I'm not sure if that's a bad loss or not, but it is a shift and it's a change. Uh, Anyhow, you tell me, I guess, if it's bad or if it's uh, actually thinking about that. I don't know if it's Gary, but somewhere I read also that part of. Part of. Bridging the 
the cultural gaps is being willing to go to their homes. Is that right? I'm not dreaming that up, am I? Uh, and in that sense, uh, being willing to have need that they can meet, not just us always meeting their need, inviting them over because we're reaching out to them. We want to meet their need. No, us actually making ourselves vulnerable to them is another aspect of it. Um, so, some of my ramblings from the devotional. Okay, so we have eight minutes. <laughs> You know, I kind of, kind of have like this. <laughs> if you'd have told me this ahead of time, I wouldn't have spent so much time in my study yesterday. <laughs> All right, so uh, the uh, subject at hand this morning that I have uh, prepared for is another fruit of the spirit, and uh, Galatians five twenty-two and twenty-three. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we are at peace today. Uh, The subject of peace. I've simply titled the message, Peace, Is Is It My Reality? I'll just begin by reading several verses, other verses, uh, where the subject of peace is, you know, it's there, it's in the forefront. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And then we have Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing or careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Second Thessalonians 3.16 Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace by all means. The Lord be with you all. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God ruin your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Psalm 119.165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And 1 Peter 3.11, let him, and I'm just breaking into a context here, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. Just a, a number of verses that speak of peace and speak of kind of uh, different aspects uh, in a way. Uh, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. So there's peace and then what is perfect peace? Uh, there's let the peace and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Uh, peace of God. Passes all understanding. So now I'm up here to preach about a subject that is beyond understanding. There's an aspect of it that is is understood. Hopefully uh, at the end I'll explain that part of it a little bit. That beyond understanding part. Um, Great peace have they that love thy law. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. 
by all means. You know, that phrase, by all means, is actually a scriptural phrase. You know, we sometimes use that, don't we? Uh, Oh, by all means. Well, did you know you just quoted the Bible? (laughs) It's kind of an interesting verse. Uh, The Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. could spend an hour unpacking that. Peace, is it my reality? I'll try to peruse through, uh, not keep us too long. First, I'd like to consider, just give a definition to peace. What is peace? Um, Here are some uh, dictionary definitions. In a general sense, a state of quiet tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation. It's applicable to society to individuals, or to the temper of mind. So, it's, yeah. In the, in, in, on a personal sense, it's freedom from agitation or disturbances by the passions, as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like. Quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of conscience. Uh, peace between individuals means uh, harmonious relationships. Um, from a Christian sense, from the sense uh, of uh, a Christian, it's the tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. Uh, I'm even, not even remembering where I got all these definitions, but I found that one interesting. I re, I'll read that one again. Of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot whatever of whatever sort that is. Um, that's peace. Some of the definitions of peace. Well, we'll uh, we'll just go down through a couple points and try to just broaden out on that a bit. And I think first it would be very appropriate to simply talk about peace with God. Um, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter three. And we will see where peace was broken, where peace was disrupted, rather. Um, Genesis 3, I believe I'll begin in verse 7, just kind of breaking into the context. And the eyes of them, this is Adam and Eve, the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The um, This is obviously the first window into uh, humankind in the uh, the hum- uh, humankind in the absence of peace the the uh, the peaceful experience the uh, relationship with their creator that was totally at peace and at rest there was nothing uh, no hindrances in the relationship whatsoever and here they suddenly are in a situation where it has changed and it is different and they hide from God the one who they had a very uh, yeah very good relationship with up to that point so they hide and they try to make themselves clothing and uh, they're no longer experiencing peace. Peace has been disrupted. A problem has developed. And unfortunately, uh, they can't just uh, go back and reboot at an earlier stage and undo everything that was done. The results are, are in and there's no changing it. However, serious as the problem was, and uh, serious as the problem was and is, God didn't leave it there, and we'll fast forward to the New Testament, and we'll pick up in Colossians 1. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll read a few verses there. For it pleased the Father that in Him, speaking of Jesus, in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, <clears throat> and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, Grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And we will just stop there, make a few comments here. So the, the, uh, the problem that developed in Genesis chapter 3 is remedied, and I'll say here in Colossians. It's this, uh, uh, this scripture gives us a, 
a view of the remedy of solving the problem that had developed in in Genesis chapter 3. And notice, well, let me say this. Uh, Let's just go back and look over it a little bit. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Uh, So, reconciled, you know... uh, if there are two people that are at odds and there is something standing in their relationship and whether it's someone else or whether the two people just work out that difference, that difficulty, that problem, that snag, that whatever happened, if they work that out and come to a peaceable understanding, their relationship is reconciled. It is brought back together. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us with God. There was this, there is this sin problem in humanity. Started in the garden. Has followed the human race down through the ages. It's been a part of our experience. But Jesus provided the solution so that we could be reconciled to God again. We could have the relationship brought back together. Uh, just the way it was supposed to be. And it was through the blood of His cross by shedding His blood at Calvary for the remission of our sins that that is possible. And as it says here in uh, in verse 22, in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. See that See what that uh, 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 depicts to us. Instead of needing to run and hide when we come into the presence of God, we can come with open face because through Jesus we can come holy, unblameable, and unreprovable back to where it was before Adam and Eve ever sinned. In other words, that relationship. Unreprovable in His sight. We don't have to run. We don't have to hide. We don't have to try and, uh, and be afraid. We rather, uh, the provisions are there for us to be, uh, uh, to be reconciled again to a relationship where it's totally open and free with God. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. And that's for every one of us. He was wounded for every one of our transgressions. He was wounded for every one of the transgressions of every human being who ever lived and ever will live. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It's, it is sin that leaves us with a severed, broken relationship between us and God. It's sin that causes that. And sin can be summarized in one word, selfishness. I want to live my life my way. That is sin in one word. Um, 
I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That is sin in one word. It's selfishness. It's I, I, I'm, my life is about me. I'm in charge. It's my life to do with what I want to do. That's fine. You may do that. But remember, someday we all shall give an account of our lives. Then what? Then what? So sin is that which separates us from God and sin can be summarized in one word, selfishness. God made his move in providing a sin atonement for mankind, sending his only son Jesus to provide the atonement. If that is going to do us any good, then we have to make the next move. God made, God made his move. He made the provision. His son came, shed his blood for all mankind. But if it's going to do us any good, we have to make the next move. <clears throat> Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. And that them is, is the context is the Old Testament there with the children of Israel with whom God was not very well pleased. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And you know, the, the same is true today. The word you know, Jesus, he gave his life a ransom for mankind, but it does not profit any, uh, it does not profit the soul who will not believe it, who will not receive it by faith. It is all right there. It's like a meal spread on the table and you're welcome to come and eat of it. But if you don't believe it's going to nourish you and meet your need, and you decide you're not going to eat of it, then it's not going to benefit you a thing. Even though it sits here spread out on a table, it will not benefit you a thing unless you come by faith and begin to partake of it. And that's how salvation is. Uh, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is of utmost importance, and... Uh, in fact, if we, if we don't have faith, we won't please God. If we don't have faith, we won't uh, reach out for salvation. Um, it is through faith in Christ that, we, that uh, peace with God can be a reality for us, each of us. So, peace with God. 
let's go on and just talk a little bit about peace with life. In one of those definitions I, I uh, read, it said of, of Christianity that a tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly, earthly lot of whatever sort that is. So at peace with life, peace with life, content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. You know, maybe... Um, Maybe that's where it gets more difficult for us sometimes. Maybe we've made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus. We've made a decision to trust Him for salvation with our lives. We've experienced the joy of forgiveness of sins. Experienced the joy of an ongoing relationship with uh, Christ. Um, Yeah, not always a mountaintop, but it's there. We know it's there. Uh, How about life in general? And being at peace with life and the, and the lot, <laughs> the earthly lot of whatever sort that is. <clears throat> In John 16.33, Jesus says these words, These things have I spoken unto you, that, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, in almost the same breath, Jesus is saying that you can have peace and tribulation at the same time. He said, in me, you can have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Um, and that is, that is real. Uh, if we consider the, the timing of his words there in John 16, these are some of the last words that Jesus is having that, that last kind of a, a lengthy um, time with his disciples and uh, before his crucifixion. So he's given these words to them at a time when his disciples are about to face some of the, most, some of the more difficult experiences in their lives when their plan looks like it's falling apart. Uh, what they thought was developing collapses because they didn't fully understand yet what was developing. It was at that time that Jesus gave them those words that that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. What is tribulation? Tribulation is simply... You know, things pressing in upon us, uh, pressures, metaphorically could be oppressions, afflictions, tribulations, distresses, and straits. You know, Job is an example, one who experienced a lot of tribulation, a lot of difficulties in life. I suspect all of us do from time to time, from in varying degrees. Uh, it could be various things. It could be just... Uh, Simple sicknesses, uh, or it could be death of a loved one, or uh, it could be financial reverses and setbacks, or you know business attempts that fail, or, or struggle, and somebody might take advantage of you, or we might just downright, outright be persecuted. Um, tribulations, difficulties in life. 
You know, Jesus knew that uh, in the world, that's part of life. Difficulties, setbacks, struggles. You're going to face it, he said. But while you're in the middle of that, as you're going through life, he says, I've spoken these things unto you that in me you might have peace. He offers peace in the middle of those difficulties, those uncertainties, those uh, challenging times and events and situations that arise. Another, uh, just a, a little bit earlier in John 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And also in uh, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, this is a, a prophecy of Jesus. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's, he is the source of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> so I'd like to uh, just uh, go on and talk a little bit about peace that passes all understanding. This is a, a quote, uh, or this is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what does that mean, the peace that passes all understanding? Does that mean that uh, peace is something that we really can't describe? Not necessarily. That's, I don't believe that is necessarily what he's saying when he says that. But what does it, what, what, what does it mean? You know, life brings us difficulties that are beyond us. Difficult circumstances that naturally we would, we cannot handle. We cannot function under. We cannot survive in. That's real. Life uh, brings uh, difficulties that are beyond us. And by all human understanding, we should be anxious. We should be fretting. We should be disturbed. We should be upset. You know, we should be a lot of things. By all, from human perspective. That's what we should be experiencing. Life has thrown us a curve that we are not able to process, we are not able to understand, we are not able to work through. It is deep, it is difficult, it might even be devastating, it might be a lot of things. But rather than being disturbed and upset and fretting and, and going to pieces and, and uh, whatnot, Rather, we are able to cast that care upon the Lord and experience peace in the middle 
of the very difficult time and experience. I believe that is a peace that passes understanding. We can't, we can't describe it. We can't comprehend it. On one hand, what life has brought our way is so excruciatingly difficult. On the other hand, there is a reigning peace in our hearts that we can't explain. I hope you've had that kind of experience. Not that I hope you've had a difficult, 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 difficult experience, but that you've had the blessing of knowing the peace of God in a situation that was totally beyond you. I suspect there'd be a lot of stories here. Um... It's, a, it's real. I'll say that. It's real. And I hope that, that you get to experience some of those through life. Where God comes through in ways that are unexplainable and there's a peace in your heart even though you're dealing with some very difficult things. A peace that passes all understanding. Peace in our relationships. <clears throat> Maybe just uh, brief that just a little bit. Uh, there's a, a verse there in Matthew 5, 5, 23 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. It gives us the idea that uh, if we're aware of something in a relationship, that we should go and put forth effort to bring peace into that situation. Um, other scriptures would speak of if your brother, Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So it, it's, it kind of comes at it from all directions, the scriptures do. Um, and exhort us to pursue peace in, uh, in relationships wherever possible. Romans 14:19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. Realize we're pulling that out of the context of Romans 14, but, uh, and there is a whole context to it, but uh, yeah, it's uh, follow after things which make for peace. 2 Timothy 2.22 exhorts us to flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hebrews 12.14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Uh, Romans 12.17 and 18, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, and if it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, Scripture calls us to do what we can, as much as we can, to have peace in our relationships with our fellow man. Uh, as much as lieth in you, if it be possible, it calls us to put forth considerable effort to try to have and develop Uh, peace in relationships with 
our fellow man. So peace, uh, it's a fruit of the Spirit. We are, uh, it's one of those things that the Spirit of God will work in us, but it's also one of those things we need to exercise. We need to work at it. We need to strive to uh, uh, have it a reality in our various aspects of life. Now, I'd like to uh, just simply wrap it up here with a few thoughts on uh, on this, or a few comments on this thought. There's some things that we should not be at peace with. And Scripture indicates that. Matthew 10.34, uh, Jesus says these words, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. So how... How do we fit that scripture into the other scriptures about peace? Uh, Luke expounds on that a little more in, in chapter 12, verse 51, and a few following verses. Suppose ye that I am, am come to give peace on earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Does that mean that uh, we are justified in having broken relationships in our families? I think we're reading the scripture wrong if we justify uh, broken relationships. But what that is saying is that the gospel will bring division. And in some household, there's going to be some that are believing and some that are not. And it's not going to uh, flow well. And in that case, we are called to bear the cross of, of, uh, of, uh, to bear the cross of, of being uh, in the gospel and being one with the Lord and suffering the um, deterioration of or the cost of relationships that it might bring us because others don't believe. For many of us, that is probably not a big issue. Our family and friends, are, we've grown up in Christian communities and Christian families and, and it has not, uh, but it's not that way everywhere. And for some, the price of following Jesus is high. And persecution comes from family and rejection and put out of the house and all those kind of things. Where there is disobedience to the Lord, we cannot be at peace. Whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of others. Where there is disobedience to the Lord, we cannot be at peace. And I realize there's, there's, uh, there are people who, in their faith and practice, don't do everything just like we do. And I, I think we well understand that we don't shun everyone who doesn't practice faith exactly like we do. But 
when it comes down to willful disobeying the scriptures and and uh, blessing sin and fellowshipping with sin and the kind of things that some of our modern church practices, we cannot be at peace with that. And we shouldn't be at peace with that. Our, uh, so, um, yeah, peace. Is it uh, my reality? You know, stop and think about it. Think about, just momentarily, think about a heart that is not at peace and the the unsettledness of a heart and a life in that situation. And then think about a heart and a life that is at peace and there's rest and the the joy, the 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 blessing that is. And then think about the fact that you know, we have done nothing to actually deserve that peace. It's been brought to us by God and we are invited to enjoy its blessing and its benefit and in fact we are exhorted to pursue it and have its reality in our lives but it's completely a gift from God and it is um, it is a byproduct it's a byproduct of having dealt with the issues in our lives that severed the peace between us and God, between us and our fellow man. It's a byproduct of having uh, taken care of the other issues that uh, would rob us of peace. So, thank God, it is uh, peace. It's kind of a rare commodity, isn't it, in human experience? Where people are actually living at a peace, a place of peacefulness in their hearts and lives with God and with their fellow man. And, oh. let's, uh, let's bow our heads and just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you again for this day, for the many things that we've been able to glean today from your word, from the various brethren and sisters that have shared here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for peace. Thank you for making the provision that we can have peace with you again and that we can maintain that peace through life as we stay up to date in our walk with you and with others. Bless each one in this room. And Father, for, for those who are experiencing peace, thank you for that. For those who may not be experiencing peace for whatever reason that is, show them the pathway to peace. Peace with you, peace with their fellow men, peace with life and uh, its complexities. So help us, Lord. Help us to walk faithfully with you. 
We thank you again, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.